Hey there. Welcome to my new podcast, The Princess Power Podcast. I'm Mallory, a teacher, friend, cat lover, plant mom, yoga enthusiast, and a princess, duh. Um, everyone calls me princess. My family and friends have been calling me princess for years, and uh, I'm a pretty good princess. What can I say? So this whole idea for this podcast came about while I was teaching my students um, how to make podcasts and relating it back to the writing process. And as I was kind of showing them how to plan and brainstorm, I made up this idea and it kind of stuck. So here we are. Um, The purpose of this podcast, besides just teaching my students, is to address some of the issues that we face as women in today's society. Um, Today, we are talking about kind of a tough subject, and um, that subject is grief and surviving grief. Um, I was originally planning on airing this conversation a little bit later. However, recently I have noticed um, a lot of sadness on my social media pages because um, one of the classmates that I graduated with passed away unexpectedly. And so listening back to this conversation, I think that it kind of reminded me things that I needed to hear. And I'm hoping that airing this early will maybe help somebody else in their grief. And I think the sooner that we get this episode out, the sooner maybe it can help other people. So, um, I'm excited to have you meet Bridget, and she has a lot of really insightful stuff for us to take away from this conversation. So let's get started. Hi, Bridget. Welcome to the Princess Power Podcast. I am glad that you are able to chat with me this evening, and um, I'm looking forward to our conversation. I think it's kind of like a heavier topic um, than what we've covered so far in the podcast, Um, but I think that you will have some good insight for us. Um, Well, thank you, Mallory. Um, I'm so excited (laughs) to be on your (laughs) podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and because I know you personally, I had to listen to yours, um, but so far, it's been good, so it's quite an honor to be here. Thank you. Um, Can you start? I'll tell everyone I um, roomed with Bridget when I went back to school for education, and she was a really bad influence on me in college. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but would you like to kind of introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what do you want everyone to know about you? Yeah. So first things first, my name is Bridget. As Mallory mentioned, um, I grew up on a small dairy farm in Wisconsin and I tried to get out of my small town after high school graduation, but I went off to college and Mallory ended up being a roommate of mine. So things didn't really get better. So lucky you. Um, All jokes aside, living with Mallory 
it was not as devastating as you might think it was. Um, but I am very average. So I wake up and I go to work remotely every day. I work for a small software company as a client success manager. So I attend many Zoom meetings and answer many, many emails. And like everyone, I have high functioning anxiety, but choose to ignore it. Um, as for hobbies, I enjoy hiking, biking, and yoga. In addition, I like to read a lot. And I recently took ski lessons, which I loved. So now I consider myself a skier. I tell everyone I'm a skier. I've only been skiing twice. Um, but um, will I do it again? Skiing? Yeah, downhill skiing. I love downhill skiing. How come we haven't gone skiing? Because um, I just learned how <laughs> this Soon, winter. Let's go next winter. Yeah, we should. It, it's really fun. Um, and I definitely recommend it to everyone. If you want to learn a new skill and you feel too old to learn something new, like I do, um, you can learn how to ski, but it might take more than one lesson. I took two lessons, um, but now I can go down the Black Hills. So they really paid off. So yeah, besides that, what else should you know? Um, I have a pet sheep named Pollyanna. She lives on the farm, but I see her pretty often. And we like to walk together and eat puff Cheetos. She likes puff Cheetos and so do I. So we have that in common. <laughs> Is it healthy for a sheep to eat puff Cheetos? That's a great question. The answer is no. Um, I have tried feeding her apples and carrots and things that she should eat, and she does not eat them. She will leave them on the ground and look really angry, but she loves a good Cheeto puff. She likes that, and she likes um, she likes Fruit Loops, <laughs> so she'll eat Fruit Loops too. Um, don't worry. That's not like we don't give her like a bag of puff Cheetos for like breakfast. <laughs> she just gets like one, like maybe once a week as a, little, Americans. as a little treat. Yeah. Um, so Bridget, today we are talking about grief and surviving grief and dealing with grief. Um, and I thought that you would be a good person to talk to because I remember... We had just kind of started living together. Actually, do we only live together for one semester? Yeah, it was well, a tough time for everyone. <laughs> seemed like way longer than that, but um, oh, I know <laughs> we had met in the end, at the end of August, and then I remember you sent me a text message. Um, it would have been like early December, and you were like, "I know this is a tough time for you. If you need anything, blah blah blah," and. I don't know, like we like live together, but that was like the first time I'm like, oh, Bridget really cares about me. <laughs> like it was a really sweet thought um, because you knew that I had like a lot of stuff going on. And so then I think you also had some stuff going on. And so I think that we kind of understand grief maybe uh, a little bit differently than other people. Um, and so I'm wondering if you can, if you have experiences that you can share about how grief has affected you or how it's affected your loved ones. I am touched that you remember that text message because I don't, <laughs> but I'm glad it happened. That's great. So, yeah. So I suffered a great loss in May of 2017. So almost four years ago. 
And I will tell you what, it does not seem that long ago at all. And anyone who has suffered a great loss will tell you that. They'll tell you 10 years down the road that it feels like it happened yesterday. So for all of you who have not yet suffered a great loss, one, congratulations, two, get ready for it because <laughs> it's going to be bad. And some quick background on the situation. So it was my dad who passed away. He had been relatively healthy his whole life, and he was pretty suddenly diagnosed with lymphoma in the fall of 2016. So at that time, I was working to graduate early from college. So after graduation, instead of getting a job, I moved back with my parents to try and be helpful. Um, was I helpful? You'd have to ask my mom. Um, she was my dad's primary caretaker, but I helped out as much as I could by driving them to and from the hospital and sitting in on every appointment. And a lot of people might not realize this, but when you are diagnosed with something like cancer, there is a huge learning curve and information comes at you from like every single direction and it is so overwhelming. And sometimes that information is conflicting and it's up to you to figure out what you need to do. And of course there are doctors there to answer your questions, but any doctor would tell you that they don't have enough time um, with every single patient to do their job to the best of their ability. So really it's up to you. And this is in every situation. And I didn't really learn that till then, but it's up for, to you and your support system to advocate for your needs and for your treatment and for your care. So my dad's treatment took place pretty far from our home. So we had to stay in, for like long stretches of time in a kind of like hospital patient hotel. And long, terrible story short, my dad passed away in the spring of 2017. So pretty quickly, he went from being diagnosed to being dead in just over six months. So you can imagine that did not give me or my family a lot of time to process what was happening. And Mallory, you know from personal experience that... <laughs> I am not an optimistic person and I am not a Pollyanna and I do believe in Murphy's law. So it wasn't that I didn't foresee the, his death. Uh, I knew when they said stage four that like, this is not good. I just didn't know how, I didn't have the know-how or the capacity to process what was inevitably coming. And moreover, I had very little experience with grief prior to that. Um, I have not lost any grandparents I've been close to. And, you know, I was young at the time. I was only 21. So I hadn't had that life experience. So to answer your original question of how grief affected me and my family, I will say it impacted us all differently. And I'll say this again, grief is totally different for every individual. And grief is strange in the sense that everyone deals differently and some people do not cry. My mom went through that entire funeral dry eyed and some people cry every day for like the remainder of their life. And if you're lucky, you're somewhere in between those two polar opposites. So in the short term, when I was grieving, I had really crazy physical symptoms. And at one point 
I thought I had scarlet fever <laughs> because I had sore throats and fevers and rashes and congestion and fatigue and nausea and headaches, like any symptom, I had it. And many people experience a loss of appetite when they're grieving. And unfortunately, I did not get that. Um, I was eating a lot, still am. <laughs> Um, but eventually I went to the doctor and they did an exam and they sat me down and they were like, we can see your sore throat and we can see your rash. And we believe you when you say you're having these symptoms, but nothing is wrong with you. Um, so because nothing was physically wrong with me, they just sent me home and they did recommend talk therapy, but anyone can tell you that like when grief is fresh, there just isn't any talking about it. It's extremely difficult. You just internalize everything. And that was coming out in those physical symptoms for me. So eventually they did clear up. Um, I also was hit with terrible allergies that year. I had never had an allergy in my life. And suddenly I had every single allergy known to mankind. And I'll tell you what, I've had allergies every single year since then. So I'm convinced that I gave myself allergies. So take that as you may. But that was in the short term. So crazy side effects in the short term, physical side effects. And in the long term, I just became a, a, a much more reflective person. So I would say quieter. In the past, I had always tested as an extrovert. I mean, I was an ESTJ on the Myers-Briggs scale. And I didn't do a personality test immediately afterwards. That wasn't top of mind. But now I'm firmly an introvert. And I also became much more empathetic. It is so much easier to relate to people who are encountering and living through their own hardships when you've lived through something hard yourself. So that was long-term, but on a positive note, I became much closer with my mom and my brother who were there for me, even though they were going through the same thing. And I was forced to become a lot more independent. I was a slacker in the sense that I depended on my dad for a lot. He took care of my vehicle. He helped me with my homework, even in college, I'm a grown adult. And I just remember being in the middle of a panic attack induced by a stats class that I was in. And I called him at like 10 p.m. And this was crazy because this was after he had been diagnosed with cancer. I obviously did not know anything about boundaries at that point and thought it was okay to call sick people and ask for help. <laughs> but anyway, I was practically crying because I couldn't figure out anything stats related. I still can't. And in like 15, minutes like he knew the answer I was just describing the question to him and you just can't buy that level of support like if I have a question now I have to google it and that's like devastating Bridget you kind of talked a little bit about like how everyone grieves differently and mm -hmm. then also how you got closer to your mom and your brother can you kind of talk about, and you don't have to get too personal because they're not here. You don't have to lay all their laundry out for us, but can you kind of talk about like, how did you feel seeing like the way that they grieved? Yeah. So my mom lost her dad 
when she was a little bit older, she had been 30 and married and had a kid or two already. And I don't want to date her. She's like not that old, but she lost her dad really suddenly. He had a heart attack um, and he was not that old either. So I felt, and she'll, she would even attest to this, that she knew what was coming. Like she knew how bad it would be. Um, so I think that helped her in a sense, not that I want to say that it's better or worse for anyone. I think it's really bad for everyone, but I think she had a better idea of what was coming and, you know, she wasn't surprised, you know, she wasn't surprised when she was feeling fatigue. She wasn't surprised when she had headaches or, you know, her body was acting strange. And I was just shocked. I could not believe, you know, that I had a headache for two weeks that wasn't, I couldn't even fathom that my, my body had never reacted in that way to anything. So I think that helped her out. And my brother, I can't say I can speak for him because I think we, we grieved in a similar way. Um, he was definitely had more structure in his life at the time. So it was easier for him to get up and go to work because um, that's what he had been doing, you know, for years and years. And I didn't have a job at that point. So I just wallowed in it, which is the worst thing that you can do. But I didn't know that. And also, you don't really have a lot of ambition to apply for jobs um, when you're sad. <laughs> so it was bad because I was at home and I was also in a position where I could be, you know, my mom wasn't asking me to move out and get a job. She liked that I was there. She was making me breakfast. Um, you know, it was kind of nice to have us all under the roof again, me and my brother and my mom. So, um, I, I sat around a little too long and I regret that. And in the future, when I have to live through something like this again, I'm definitely going to cling to whatever structure I had in my life prior to that, because I think that makes things a lot easier. I remember because, was it when, no, it wasn't when we were living together. It was the year before or something. I don't remember. Anyways, I went through a period when I had a lot of people die in a really short amount of time. And the first person um, was one of my aunts. And, um, she was like sick with cancer, but it was like, they weren't telling the family, but like, you can tell, like, we can see her, we can see that she's not doing well, but they didn't. And that was what she wanted was she didn't want people to know. But, um, what that led to was I was in the middle of a regular work day and I got a text saying, um, your aunt's in the hospital. If you want to say goodbye, you have to come now. Um, and so what was the, what was almost more devastating than like, an unexpected death, I think was seeing like, all of my family upset, because we're definitely not like a feelings kind of family, we're big and loud and obnoxious, but we don't like, we it's like an understood we love each other, but we don't say it, you know. And so to show up at like the hospital and then the funeral and to see like 
my big uncles and my dad and my brothers and my cousins um, that are always so loud and joking around and to see them like break down into tears, that was almost more devastating for me than like the actual feelings. But you're like, you're witnessing all of these people grieving, but then you're also trying to process your own feelings. So it's kind of like, it's really overwhelming, I think. Yeah, I think overwhelming is the correct term. And I think you could, you know, make it a question on Family Feud um, of whether grieving by yourself or grieving with others is worse. And I think most people would say others. Um, That's why funerals are rough. Like it's rough enough the day your loved one dies, but the day you have to see everyone else grieve for them it's even worse. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so moving on from like, you're having all these symptoms, you're like, finding out like, oh, this is just my body trying to deal with like the emotional stuff that I'm dealing with. What? Um, maybe was there like a moment when you kind of realized like, oh, this is grief and like, I have to do something about it? Or like, how did you start to realize that it was grief and then kind of try to pick up the pieces and deal with the grief. Yeah. So whenever you're facing something like this, it's good to have a strategy, uh, but it's even better to have tactics on how you're going to achieve that strategy. So I did not have a strategy. Like most people, I felt totally blindsided by grief. And eventually I figured out the strategy was just I need to feel better. And that might sound like a dumb goal. But when you're there, you cannot sit there. You just have to say, I, I am not going to sit here and I'm eventually going to feel better. Um, so my tactics, and this is going to sound super lame, and I hate that I'm saying it, but I'm going to say it, self-care. I know we hear that term a lot these days, especially while we're in the middle of a pandemic. But really, that's what I needed to do at that point. And I'm talking like really basic self-care, just eating food that is not junk food. I'm just getting outside once or twice a a day and just conditioning your hair and brushing your teeth. I was so fatigued that just doing those basic things was really hard. But the thing about self-care is that it builds on itself. It's easier to get outside and exercise if you're already used to getting outside and going for a walk every day. So really what you have to do is just start really simple and start with the basics and build from there. So that's what I did. And another helpful thing to talk about is that I felt that none of my friends understood because they didn't. So most of my friends are young healthy and privileged. So they don't know, just like I didn't know before. And I was really, really lucky to have a good friend who was a nurse. And I ended up being a roommate with her and moving in with her. And I wouldn't say that we talked a lot about my grief, but it was really nice to have a friend who would listen to me tell stories, um, about my dad and about what we had been through, but it was just really helpful to have a friend who wasn't immediately off put by death and scared to talk about it because she was a nurse and she saw that stuff 
every day and she was familiar with it. Um, and she knew how to deal with it. She knows that when someone is talking to you about grief, you don't talk, you actively listen. That's your job. You and I kind of um, went over how grief is like underrepresented. And so you're right. A lot of people like just don't know how to, they're uncomfortable when someone starts talking about grief or really any feelings sometimes. Um, And so I took a trauma-informed yoga class and um, it was for like I was starting a program with my students, but the point is it was, we did an activity where we had to actively listen. Someone had to like tell us something and we had to, they had to talk for seven minutes and we had to actively listen. And then we had to, at the end of the seven minutes, we had to repeat back to them what they had said. So um, it seemed like it was um difficult for some people and others kind of took to it a little bit more easily. Um, But what I did learn and I, I started using it on my students even um, was that just like being quiet and listening um, people will just like keep talking. So like if you pause long enough, like anything that they haven't said, it will come out eventually because you're giving them the space and the time that they need to like process what they're thinking and get it out there. Um, So what do you think, Bridget? um, Like why do we not hear so much about grief in the media? I know that for me, um, I think that part of my like grieving process and part of starting to feel better was literally like just being honest about how I was feeling. Even like on social media, I like post pictures and memories like and talk about like today really sucks and I can't stop thinking about this person. Um, And some people are more private and some people like for me, I just found like having that little bit of extra support and being able to be open and honest about how I was feeling. Um, helped me feel better. So why do you think there's that like stigma around grief? Yes, grief is definitely underrepresented in the media. And that is for obvious reasons. The big one being that it's hard to talk about. I will say the further away I get from the event date, the easier it is to talk about. Like this conversation we're having right now, it would have not been possible a year ago. Um, So I think people just, they get more comfortable with the emotions and then they're able to speak about them. So if you're grieving or you know someone who is grieving, the best thing you can do, which is what you just said, is just give them the space to talk if they want to talk. Because some people, they're going to have that opportunity, you're going to give it to them, and they're not going to take you up on it. And that is totally fine. But it is something that we want to be more open about and we want it to be talked about because that's good for everyone. More and better representation is almost always good. And I had no idea what to expect. Like I said earlier, I felt blindsided and I was and I am jaded about that. In the beginning, I just wanted to shake people and say like, why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you tell me it was going to be this bad? And you think about most of the media we consume, death is a big part of a larger story, but there is no grief. 
they don't show the superhero crying themselves to sleep every night. They show the resilience and the empathy and the compassion that comes later, those good things that can come out of grief eventually, but rarely they show the bad stuff. Um, and I think that's a big part that's missing. And I think that if that was more available in our media, people would know what to expect more and wouldn't feel so blindsided. I like that you mentioned that like all those good things can eventually come out of grief. Like grief isn't like, yeah, it feels really bad, but it isn't necessarily all bad. Um, And there are good things that you can learn about yourself and you can definitely grow. What advice could you give to young people, Bridget? Um, Specifically, I teach middle school and sometimes high school. Um, So like if middle schoolers and high schoolers have some kind of unexpected loss and they're trying to cope with that, um, what advice can you give to them? Um, That's a great question, but it's also a really hard question because I think of myself when I was in middle school and when I was in high school and you couldn't tell me anything. Um, I don't know if I absorbed any advice at that point in my life. But of course, these children are probably more intuitive than I am. So one, I would just reiterate that everyone is different and everyone grieves differently. So just because someone is reacting differently or is not reacting in the way you think you should does not mean that they are not having a hard time and does not mean that they need judgment from you. Um, to be kind to yourself and others, no matter what, if your grandpa had a great life and lived to be 110 years old and then passed away, that's still hard. And you are allowed to grieve that loss. Even when people say dismissive things like, oh, at least he lived a long life. You know, many people die young. The circumstance does not matter. That's your grief. And the same thing goes for you know, maybe you get a new pet and it dies unexpectedly and maybe you only had it for a couple of months. That's okay. You get to grieve that. And people who are like, oh, well, I had my dog for 16 years and then it died. Like comparisons are never okay in this situation. So just throw those out the window. Um, And then something else you want to do is prioritize your health on every level. So obviously, We'll preach this till we're blue in the face, but physical health is important, but mental health is even more important. And oftentimes physical health is reflective of your mental health. And there are a lot of great resources for grieving people, but you need to take the first step and go looking for them because you are the only person who can help yourself. Okay. And if you start looking to other people for help all the time, it's never going to come. You have to go out there and advocate for yourself. And then finally, I would just say, you just need to know that it's okay to stall out. You know, this continuous growth mindset is preached at us constantly, but sometimes you just need to rest. And that is not the time to push yourself to do better or to go further. You just need to take a break. And maybe that looks like putting off the next step in your career or waiting to buy a house or to start a family, those options are still going to be there when you have the bandwidth to take them on. I promise. 
So whether that's taking a gap year or taking a summer off or something like that, that's okay. You need to take a break and focus on your immediate needs because when you're grieving, if you don't grieve and feel the feels, you're going to carry that grief with you. And it's something you really do have to work through because if you don't, you're going to be working through it your entire life. And that's not something you want to do. Um, Bridget, Mm -hmm. you are a genius in the realm of podcasts and books and all of the resources. I know that you read all the time. You listen to podcasts all the time. Um, So do you have any specific podcasts or books or anything that you would recommend for someone who's trying to figure out how to deal with their grief? Yes. Yes. Um, Excellent question. I just have two book recommendations I'll give you. But like I said before, there are a lot of really good resources out there. One is that It's Okay That You're Not Okay by Megan Devine. Um, it's pretty cheap. It's on Amazon and it just destigmatizes grief and reiterates over and over that there's nothing wrong with grief or how you grieve. The book doesn't focus on a return to normal or happiness like a lot of advice does. Instead, it focuses on how to live with your grief and accept it. And that was particularly helpful to me for me to hear when I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, everyone would say stuff like, oh, you know, feel better soon. And I was like, I'm not going to feel better soon. Thanks for the shoddy advice. So this book, it's real talk. Um, It's written by Megan Devine. She lost her husband at a pretty young age and pretty suddenly. Um, And she just really picks up on all the stereotypes around grief, like all the things people say to you that you actually find very offensive, but are things that you have said to people in the past who were grieving and it'll make you shudder, but you should definitely read it. And then the second book is Option B by Sheryl Sandberg. So Option B is about the struggles that Sandberg faced after her husband's unexpected death, and it documents her journey through grief as the working mom with young children. So that is obviously particularly stressful, and it just gives you a window into her grief and again reiterates how everyone grieves differently and how hard it is to grieve when other people depend on you. So that wasn't something so much that I could relate to, but I thought it was a really important message for everyone to hear. Um, Do you have any final comments or anything else you would like to add? Um, I just want to focus on the good that comes out of it for a second. And I just wanted to reiterate that it's okay to change. And like I said, I, you know, I became a much more reflective person. I'm not an extrovert anymore. I grew out of a lot of things and it's okay that grief changes your perspective And it's okay that maybe your life isn't your life prior to grief, maybe isn't the life you want after grief. And it's okay to make those changes. And it's okay to move on from people and places and jobs. And that more often than not, grief is a catalyst for growth. So you're not going to be the same person. You're going to be a new and improved version because you lived through something that was hard. 
Those are like the perfect ending words. So um, Bridget, thank you so much for being vulnerable with us today and sharing um, about your family and about overcoming grief. I really appreciate it. I can't say enough how much I appreciate your willingness to talk about your feelings. Um, Cause like you said, not a lot of people like to do that. So um, it's hard enough to admit that you have grieved and that you have sad feelings sometimes, but then to get on a podcast and tell a bunch of people about it, that's um, that takes a lot of courage. So thank you very much for being here today. Well, thank you, Mallory. Um, I think your podcast is great. So I'm really, it really is, glad to be a it? part of it. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> great. <laughs> Thank you again so much to Bridget. Seriously, I know how difficult it can be to talk about your feelings and especially feelings that are negative. Um, So to open up the way that she did, I really appreciate her and I really appreciate having her as a friend. Um, Thank you again to the listeners and remember that if you need some kind of support, it's worth it to reach out and talk about how you're feeling. Um, but it's also okay if you're not ready to do that yet. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast or you think you know someone who would benefit from listening, listening to it, please share it. Please, um, give it a thumbs up. Please visit my Patreon site. Um, that's patreon.com slash princess power. And we will see you next time.